Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. Chapter one, verse eight. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Somebody say Jerusalem, Judea, say Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I love you more There's a title for this morning. The title is Go to Jerusalem. Sit. Y'all ready? Y'all looking at my shirt? Y'all looking at my shirt. So we're gonna we gonna we're gonna walk through this 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 verse here and I'm, I just wanna clear and say at five, six weeks of preparation time preparation doesn't stop because we stop talking about preparation preparation time doesn't stop just because we stop talking about preparation, we still have to remain in the presence of the king, we still have to practice the presence of God and now we're walking into, instead of being prepared to be the semblance of God, now we're walking into being prepared to go to where God sends us amen we, we walked through the process of being the sent ones of God, and now where is God sending us? Why did God prepare us, and where is God preparing us to go? So if anybody wants a t-shirt, see Mama A after church. Amen. I can get you a t-shirt. We're going to wear these for the month of August, all right? All right. We're going to wear these for the month of August. Go. We're going. We're going. First, we're going to Jerusalem. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Go to Jerusalem. Walk through this process of what it looks like to be the sent ones of God. And there's in in this season of my life, I am at the end of the coursework required for my doctorate in ministry. No, oh, right? Holla to man, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm at the end of my coursework required for my doctorate in ministry. And that means I get to start writing a little dissertation. <laughs> Amen. I get to start writing a dissertation. And my dissertation topic is uh, focused on the uh, leadership in the Lord's Church in the city of Philadelphia specifically. Uh, and is this all right? Y'all say it's going to hear me And my dissertation topic is focused on uh, having conversations with senior leaders in the Lord's Church in the city of Philadelphia, 70 and above who have served primarily, and I'm talking real fast because I said this a lot, all right? So senior leaders in the Lord's Church in the city of Philadelphia, whom are 70 and above, who have spent about 20 years in ministry in the city of Philadelphia specifically. I'm asking them one question. If they had to do their life in ministry over again, what would be the one thing that they focused on to see undone in our city? What would be the one thing that they would focus on? After 20 years of service and 70 years of living, what would be the one thing that they would focus on to see undone 
in the city of Philadelphia. Now, this was a passion of mine a long time ago, and I was going to write a book about it, and I was going to call it Samuel Speaks, right? And I started this process in 2010. Don't tell nobody I said that. I'm not using that those conversations, and I'm not allowed to use those conversations, but I had conversations with people that fit this criterion in about 2010. I had conversations with people, and I asked them that same question. What would be the one thing, the one thing, that they would focus on to see undone in the city of Philadelphia. And a lot of leaders had a lot of different things that they would say. Somebody said, had a conversation with um, Tony Campolo, and he said, I would focus on the schools again. Had a conversation with um, Pastor Campbell at Mount Carmel, and he said, I would focus on the church getting back to the economy again. I had a conversation with some other pastors, and one pastor, he it's an, it's an ecumenical study. And I had a conversation with um, a Mennonite bishop, a Mennonite bishop in Philadelphia. Let's go. I had a conversation with a Mennonite bishop, and he said he would focus on making sure that Philadelphia would restore to its peace position. But I had one really interesting conversation, and it's, it was a conversation with a gentleman by the name of Bill Crispin. Bill Crispin. I had a conversation in 2010 with a guy named Bill Crispin. And Bill Crispin said, I think that I would work really hard to restore the value of a local church. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, I think that I would do a lot of work to restore the value of the local church. The church has gone so global. People have gotten so big-headed that they want to have a global stage when they've been called to a local ministry. The local church has lost its value in some people's eyes. They want to be where they want to be for the purposes of being seen, not for making an impact. So his statement was, if I could do yeah, my life over too. again, I would focus my energy, time, resources on restoring the value of the local church, where families worship together in the same pew. Say amen, somebody where neighbors loved or maybe just learned how to tolerate each other again because they had to sit together and suffer long with each other, where pastors and where people were impacted by the same things because they shopped at the same stores. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, he said I would, I would restore the value of the local church because what happens when people worship together and they live together, what happens is they're touched together with the same things. And then there is energy, inertia created because everybody's feeling the same thing. And then we have a desire to fight against or for the same thing. See, the power of the local church is a power that allows for us to be Collective bargainers, you know. It allows for us to collect our energies and use what God has given us, each one of us individually, in a way that we come together and we are greater when we're together. We are better together than we are when we're by ourselves. And I think that God is sort of talking to us in those, in those words, you know. When we're called to Jerusalem, we're called to impact home. Okay, we're called to impact home. And I think God is talking to us in some specific ways about what it looks like to have a home mission, home mission ministry. 
where we as a church focus not on the city of Philadelphia at large, where we don't focus on the places that all of us live in disparate areas, where, and, and that's fine for you to do what you do at your house, but you go to Redeemer. I'm going to say it again. Fine for you to do whatever you do at your house. I don't live in this neighborhood, but I, I serve this neighborhood. And I should be touched with the feelings that this neighborhood feels. When I come by on a Tuesday and I see cops going down the street and it's still daylight and there are five, six, seven, eight police officers driving down the street and you know something happened, I should be touched with the feeling of that infirmity. I may not live in the neighborhood, but I serve the neighborhood, and I should want to know that we are making a positive impact in this neighborhood. In 19151, I got it right? What's the, where is it? 19146 and 445. Lord Jesus, I done wrote it down wrong. 19145 and 46. See, we've been talking about it a lot, but I ain't write it down right. 19145. <laughs> And for six, we should understand. Now I'm going, hold on. No, we defined four, five, and four, six. We did four, five, right? Home mission ministry. Church of the Redeemer Baptist. Focus on one, nine, one, four, five. One, nine, one, four, six. Write it down. Because I did too. <laughs> 19145. 19145. 19146. You're going to hear more about this, right? You're going to hear more about this in time to come. But we are going to be focusing on specific areas where God is telling us to go. We're going to be focusing on specific areas where God is telling us to go. The power of God, when we allow for the power of God to send us home... <laughs> To Jerusalem, I'm sorry. We allow for the power of God to send us home. We allow God to help us to serve at home, and that, saints, requires power. Because Jesus said a prophet, you know, is without, prophets without honor in his own home. But when God sends you home, you got to realize that you're going to a place where you're already set up for rejection. You get it? God has sent, he's telling you to go, he's telling you to go home, where you're already prepared for people to reject you. He's sending you to your place of denial. He is telling you to stay there and preach because of and in spite of may never get to a big stage, but God is telling you to go. The only place you might preach is your kitchen table, but God is telling you to go. Go home to your Jerusalem. Moses was a man that could testify of this. Moses in Exodus chapter 2, if you want to turn to it with me. Moses was a man who had history with God. He had an experience that seemingly separated him 
from God. And all of his neighbors, all of his kinfolk, all of his people, they saw what Moses did and they ran him out of town. Ran him out of town and he tried to go back. And when he went back, well, he didn't try to go back because he was embarrassed to be with his family. And he left the people that he felt called to and had some level of success away from home because God had anointed him and he was, a tal- he was talented, but he was not where he was called to be. He was elevated, but he wasn't where he was called to be. And then when he was away, he had an encounter with God. And he yielded to the preparation process that we've been talking about for the last five weeks. That encounter led him to his place of call. It wasn't in over where his his wife was and where his father-in-law was over in that Midian area. It was where he was supposed to be, which was back home. And for him, his Jerusalem was Egypt. He had to go back home to where his people were, to where his kinfolk were. He ran, but God sent him back home. He doubted, but God had to send him, even through his doubts, back home. He had questions, and he even had excuses as to why he would be more effective somewhere else. But God said, I don't care about your impact in your mind. I want you to go back home. Suffer the consequences of being at home. Endure the hardships of being at home. And I will offer you, saints, because when people know you and you still have to minister to them, ministry at home requires the power of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ministry at home, it requires, it just, it's not a thing, it's not an option when you have to be called home to have the power of God. It requires the power of God. When God sends you home, God sends you to a people that know you, and it takes power to deal with the demons that are associated with your family and your legacy. Say amen, somebody. But God will give you the power to be effective at home. <laughs> it takes God's power to deal with your own personal failings and your own personal shortcomings that everybody has seen. But God will give you the power to be effective effective at home. It takes God's power to deal with the people that grew up with you and know who you are and know who you were and know every button that they can push. Say amen, somebody. Know every button to push and how hard to push it. But God will give you the power to be effective where? At home. It takes God's power to look at people who hurt you over And over and over again, look them in their face and choose to forgive. Help us, Lord. Choose to forgive and to have a clean heart and a clear conscience because God has called you where? My God. (laughs) Takes power, takes power, takes power to believe the best about people whose lives you followed closely and you know they nasty. Power to do that. Takes God's power to do that. Takes God's power to do that. But you have been called to extend the same grace 
that God extends to you every single day. Where? At home. It takes God's power to break the glass ceiling of social economic barriers. To believe God even when you know you don't have enough money for your mission. And everybody else knows it too. <laughs> but God will give you the power to be effective at home. And it takes power to overcome racism, classism, ageism when it, they seem to stand in direct opposition of your call. It takes power. It takes God's power. And it takes God's call for you to be effective at home. But I am so glad that scripture is clear in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where he says, I have given you the power. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I've got power. I got power to do what God's calling me to do. Got power to live right. I got power to do right. I've got the power to be effective at home. But not only does it take power from God to do all of the things God's called you to do at home, it also takes courage from you. I wish I had a church right there. It doesn't just take the power of God. It also takes courage from you. Courage to say yes to your assignment when you know that what they know about you is true. Courage to do what God has empowered you to do. And we look for God to give us power. And I feel like in the moment where we're asking God for power, God is really responding like, okay, say less. I'm with it. Let's go. I've done my part. I've given you the power. I've given you all the power that you need to get it done. Your struggle has made you strong enough. But the outstanding question here is, I've done my part. Will you? This is why Augustine said, I pray. Pray as though everything depended on God, but work as though everything depends on you. We don't just need power, saints. We need courage. And God is asking, I, when he says, I've given you the power to be effective at home, He's asking you now, will you be courageous enough to be my vessel at home? Not to run away to somewhere that's more comfortable for you to serve, but to go back where you've been called to, where everybody knows your name. <laughs> Lord, will you have the courage to stand in the face of the opposition that you know is coming? and to proclaim the power of the king when you know they're ready to reject you? Will you be courageous enough to deal with the demons that you know are associated with your family and your legacy at home? Or are you going to run away and try to hide all those things? Will you be courageous enough to deal with your own personal failings and shortcomings? Or are you going to try to run to another stage because you don't have to explain all of those things away? <laughs> Take courage and it takes power. Will you be courageous enough to stand in the face of the people that you grew up with and watch them say, I don't think you really changed? I don't think you really saved. You talk a good game. Give it about five years. Five years? <laughs> you ain't going to hear me for five, five years? 
Do you have the courage enough to stand in the face of that opposition? Do you have the courage enough to look at the people who hurt you? To look at the people who touched you? To look at the people who shamed you and wronged you? To look at the people that talked bad about you behind your back and in front of your face and still say Jesus loves you? And I do too. At home. Help us, Jesus. It doesn't just take the power of God. It takes courage from you to be a minister at home. Do you have the courage to believe the best is still in people who you've watched very closely and you've confirmed how nasty they are? At home. Home. You have the courage to do what it takes to break glass ceilings, not so you can climb through them, but so the ones coming after, I'm going ahead of myself, but so the ones coming after you can climb through them. Do you have the courage, not just the power, God's given you the power, but do you have the courage to fight this good fight of faith? Yes, it takes power, and God has given us the power, but it also takes courage to do what God's called us to do at home. And God is saying, I'll supply the power. You supply courage. But that ain't even a shout. <laughs> That's not even a shout. I'm almost done, y'all. That's not even a shout. Because, see, when God sends you home, Everybody's running after the nations, you know. Everybody's running after all these big stages. But when God sends you home, God's not sending you to the nations. God is sending you to generations. <laughs> That's the shout right there. That's the shout. Everybody looking for a big stage. But when God sends you home, God is not sending you to the nations. God is sending you to break generational curses. God is sending you to the generations. And we wonder why we feel as though there's a generation that's lost. That's because everybody's looking to go to the nations and nobody's willing to serve at home. We wonder why there are so many people that are violent in our streets that are 18 and below. That's because everybody's trying to preach on TV and ain't nobody discipling their children and their grandchildren at the kitchen. Nobody's going home. Everybody wants to go to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, but you're, lo you're gaining the world and you're losing your house. God is sending us home. Moses, hallelujah. Moses did a great job while he was leading Israel. He received God's power and he used the courage that he had for his entire life. And he was angry at times, but he walked still for all of his life in both power and in courage. But saints, he had an end. Moses did as much as he could do. And then Moses died. <laughs> Moses did everything he could do at home. And then Moses died. Moses led 
the people of Israel to the edge of their promise. I'm preaching today. Hallelujah. (laughs) Moses led the people of Israel. He couldn't lead them into their promise. He led them to the edge of their promise. And then the Lord shut his eyes. But I read in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6. That there was one that followed close enough with Moses. For a generation to come. And the one that couldn't lead the people into their promised land. Led one who could do that at home. He led him long enough. He walked with him close enough. And he followed God in a way that the one that was watching could do the same. And when it was time for the next generation to follow God like the last generation, not one of them, hallelujah, the people weren't lost because there was one that Moses led at home. Saints, when you do your job at home, God will take care of the nations. Your your job is not the nations. Your job is your kitchen table. Your job is not to go ye therefore all the way out there. Your job is to raise your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren in the fear and the admonition of the Lord not to go out to work and climb the corporate ladder. You gain the whole world, but you've lost the soul. God sending us home. We got to understand it's more important for us to win our houses than it is for us. To win the world. Might not be your job. To win the city. It might be your child's job. Might not be your job. To build that business. It's your job. To give them an example. Of power. And courage. When it's their time, they will have followed you close enough to hear the voice of God speak to you so that when the voice of God speaks to them, they can hear clearly and distinctly. And this young man by the name of Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, he was struggling when his leader died. God had to talk to him. He said, baby, Moses, my servant. It's dead. I'm not dead. But Moses is. And I know you've walked close enough to Moses to hear the sound of my voice. So what I need you to do is recognize that that same power Moses walked in, you're going to walk in it too. And that same courage Moses had, you're going to have it to be strong and courageous for I shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them only you somebody see you only you be strong 
and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. If it's your job to do anything, it's your job to win your house. It's your job to do anything. It's your job to be successful in ministry at home. Win your Jerusalem and watch then God win the nations through them. Through them. Not through you. Or maybe through you. Through them. Because every step you take, they'll be watching you. <laughs> every move you make, every step you take. Y'all know that song. Don't act so saved that you ain't never listened to the radio. It's a stalker-esque kind of song, so I ain't going to sing no more. But every move you make, every step you take, they're going to be watching you. Whatever you do, make sure that you are watchworthy. Yeah. Make sure that you are watchworthy. The doors of this church are open. Now listen, I, there, there, there's a lot of us that are really excited about this word called go because we think God's going means that we can escape, escape our own demise, you know. It means that we can, when God says go, we can run from the things that have held us bound, that have kept us, that we've tripped over in years past. But if you haven't won your home, God ain't going to send you to nowhere else. Hello, church. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. If you want a safer neighborhood, we got to get back to the houses. We got to get back home. Hello, church. Are, are we here? Are we here? If we, if we want safer neighborhoods, if we want people that are doing the right thing instead of the wrong thing, that are positive influences instead of negative influences, we've got to win our homes. The only way we can do that is if we are powerful in God and courageous through God. Some of y'all are trying to do whatever you want to do. And you want God to send you to the masses, but you haven't done the work of yielding to the king yet. Doors of the church are open. You've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You can't win your house because you haven't lost the desire to control your own life. If you need power and control, you're going to lead people into the ditch that you're about to fall into yourself. But if you're willing to allow the Lord to be the master of your life, he will lead you. He will guide you into all truth in things that you would not have even understood or thought to understand. There's anyone in here that's never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Now is your time and today is your day. Come now, come now. If you're on the screen and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, just put a thumbs up in the, in the screen and we'll look back, we'll watch and we'll see and we'll respond. If there is anyone who has, has accepted Jesus Christ and you know you have, you got your free ticket to heaven. Praise his name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'll see you when I get there. Amen.
but you ain't living nothing down here. I wish I had a church. <laughs> you, ain't, you, ain't, you ain't making an impact on nothing. Nobody down here. Ain't nobody going to get their heaven because of you. Come, 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 come. You want to rededicate your life to the master. Come now. Come now. If you're on the screen, just put a thumbs up in. Put a thumbs up in. And if you need a church home, Redeemer is a great place to call home. Amen. Amen. If there's one, just respond. Either come down the aisle and meet the deacons or put a thumbs up in the screen. Oh, my brother, we offer Christ to you. Oh, my sister, he will give you brand new life, new life abundantly. Oh, come, come on to Christ. Praise the Lord. If anybody is still willing to respond, then you can feel free to respond. You got all day, all night. You got your whole entire life to say yes to God. Amen. Amen. Ain't nobody got to see you, but we just want to make sure that when you do say yes, you know you got a place of people to walk with. Amen. Now listen here. We need to pray. We need to pray. Because I know this, 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 this is not the easiest thing to hear, you know. <laughs> Some of us don't really want to have, we want the power of God, but we don't want to necessarily use the courage that God needs us to use so that we can be overcomers victorious, overcoming not just the things that other people have put on us, but overcoming the things that we've put on ourselves, you know? And it takes, it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to do that. So if there is one that just you, you accept and you understand that you just need to pray into the power of God and the courage of God, just lift your hand, just lift your hand. I'm lifting mine. Listen here. <laughs> I need to accept both the power and the courage to deal with me. I'm going to say it again. I need to accept the power and the courage to deal with me so that I can deal with you effectively. Amen. I need both the power of God and courage to handle everything God sends my way. So as our hands are lifted, Father, we love you and we praise you. We have accepted you as our Savior. And we thank you for the ability to have done that. We thank you for the blood that shed was shed on Calvary so that we can be in right relationship with you. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to receive us into heaven with a well done. And I thank you, Lord, that you have called us into this, over to your banqueting house and your banner over us is love. All the promises in the book are ours. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. But God, there are places in our lives where we just do not want to confront. We don't want to confront them. We know you've given us power to overcome. But if we don't want to have the courage to have to deal with the process of being overcomers. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. So today I ask that you would just give us not just the power of God, but the courage to deal with things that you have placed before us even right now. The things that you are bringing to our minds, the things that you are bringing to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the 
power and the courage to put those things in your hands and to deal with them in a way that allows for them to never have to be dealt with again. Well, thank you for it. Where we say we are weak, let your strength be made perfect in our weakness. Help us to go from just salvation to a desire for sanctification. And help us to win our homes so that we can win this world for your glory. We'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Can somebody give God a loud shout of praise? A praise of victory. You may not receive it yet, but believe, believe, believe. Believe, believe. David said, I would have fainted unless I would have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe God. I believe God. I, be I feel a turn. I feel a shift. Look at somebody and say, I believe God. I believe God. I believe he can. I believe God will. Hallelujah.